You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone, Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. And, Brian, this is supposed to be the point in the season where the Yankees go on a roll, right? Colorado, Minnesota, Colorado, Minnesota. 11 straight games versus two teams that, on paper, the Yankees should take care of, but not a good start as they drop two out at Coors Field, and, and that's baseball. But you can't overlook anybody, and you definitely can't overlook the Rockies in Coors. No, but... That's the reason that Joe Girardi was so testy in the manager's office yesterday at Coors Field is that they knew this was a soft spot on the schedule. People have been talking about it, made them very aware of that. Uh, and, and, no, you can't just throw your gloves out there and expect to win a game. But they really didn't pitch in Denver very much. I know the first game was 13-10, but it really wasn't that close. Uh, you know, they scored seven runs in the eighth inning. Uh, that was a 12-3 game, so you, you can't be shocked that they lost that one. And then, Really, there wasn't a whole lot of life in the second game either. Ivan Nova didn't uh, pitch great. Uh, they threw out a lineup that had Chase Headley batting fourth. Uh, you got Didi Gregorius batting fifth. It reminds you how vulnerable this team could be uh, when they're in National League parks. You don't have Carlos Beltran out there in right field. Uh, he should be back there tonight against the Twins, but uh, you didn't have Alex Rodriguez. He should be back as well. Uh, but, yeah, I I hate to say it's getting late early, but it is. Uh, you look at the calendar here, and if they're not going to go on a run now, I'm not sure when they are. You mentioned Beltron. Now, would they have had Beltron had they been in an American League ballpark? Because I guess the, the knee swells up uh, of all times on, on an off day for Beltron. Uh, but is he feeling better? Really bizarre, yeah. He said he didn't do anything that off day in, uh, in Colorado. He just kind of walked around and went about five blocks, got some lunch, and then all of a sudden it swelled up in the morning. But I, I think that had they been in an American League ballpark, he might have been able to DH. Uh, he probably wouldn't have been out there in the outfield. And, you know, I, I was kind of laughing. Uh, that, that is a big right field in Coors Field. So uh, that's a lot to ask Carlos Beltran, even if he's 100% to go patrol at this uh, stage of his career. So defensively, they're probably better with Aaron Hicks out there anyway. Uh, but this is what you got when you, when you get a, a veteran team here that, in their late 30s, you're going to have these these creaks and aches and pains, and uh, you know I think that's just going to be the way it goes for the rest of the year. And the, the trainer's room will have a, a pretty well-worn path in the carpet uh, going in and out. As someone who's gone for a short walk and and been sore afterwards, I would say it's not an injury as much as it is old age for <laughs> for Beltron. But, uh, but yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> uh, speaking of the older Yankees and and injuries, Mark Teixeira. Uh, getting closer to rehab, uh, slowly making his way back as he's not going to surgery. Uh, how far away is Teixeira? I was very surprised. You know, Teixeira is very encouraged. He was jogging a little bit in Denver. Uh, and I thought that when they said three weeks, I'm thinking in my mind, all right, that's probably going to be more like five or six, right? Uh, but he says everything's been going great. He's responding to the cortisone shot, the lubricant. And so he's really shooting toward playing in minor league rehab games next week. So I think that absolute best-case scenario, and this is if everything goes perfectly and there are no setbacks, he could be back in the Yankee lineup next Friday in New York. Um, don't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer than that, if they, they're a little more cautious. You know the Yankees track record with that. But uh, looking at the performance they've got out of first base this year, and I, obviously I know that Teixeira is the 
big part of that. Uh, they are the league's worst in batting average slugging percentage at first base. And so who knows if Ike Davis and Rob Refsnyder can be the answer there, but they really do need Mark Teixeira to come back and be the Mark Teixeira who last year was an all-star. Uh, let's not forget, it, it's not like he's five years removed from that. Uh, he was able to do it last year, and you wouldn't think that a, a leg fracture would set him back that much. I, I really do believe he can come be back and be more like the guy from last year, even though I think that uh, 30 homers and 100 RBIs are pretty much off the table at this point. First base in the city of New York this season is, I, I don't know what's going on, Brian, but Teixeira, um, all the injuries, Chris Parmalee injured now, and then you look at the Mets side of things, and, and Duda is out for a while. They can't find a, anyone to get in there at first base and, and fill the role, and so the Yankees have come to the point now where they've gone out and gotten a former Met. I don't know if that's going to help, but, I mean, Ike Davis seems like a guy that I don't know what's really left in the tank. Obviously, after he's left the Mets, he's he's bounced around a few times. He was in Pittsburgh. He's been around different places. I mean, what do the Yankees really realistically think they can get from Ike? I don't know what he's got left in the tank either, but you got to throw somebody out there. Yeah. So they wanted somebody who could play the position and has done it. Parmalee was kind of that guy, and, and now you're, you've got him down, so you, you fall even another one down on the depth chart. And Really, it's just... Anybody but Nick Swisher. Uh, anybody, please, but Nick Swisher is basically what you're hearing out of the Bronx. And so they're going to give Ike Davis a shot. And, you know, with that left-handed stroke, I'll be interested to see what happens in Yankee Stadium. I feel like on this podcast for the last year or so, we were talking about how Dustin Ackley was supposed to be this guy. And the Yankees analytics people said that if you put him in Yankee Stadium, he's going to produce. And uh, obviously that didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, so maybe that's the case with Ike Davis. Uh, it's somebody that the Yankees had interest in over the offseason. He signed with the Rangers over the Yankees, uh, but wound up in pinstripes. And obviously he's following in the, the footsteps of his father, who pitched for the Yankees in the, the late 70s and early 80s. And one interesting fact here, there's only been two father and son duos to play for the Yankees. The other one, uh, Yogi Berra and Dale Berra. So uh, pretty good company there. Wow, that's pretty cool. Good stuff. That's why we do the podcast, just stuff like that. You <laughs> um, look at this pitching, obviously Pineda's been better lately. Nathan Evaldi, though, uh, I, I know you have an article out on the on the website now, uh, no confidence in the splitter. Um, now, Nathan Evaldi's a guy that, I mean, it's well documented that his fastball is a straight pitch, that that's really the number one issue he faces when he's pitching is that, yeah, he can throw at 99, 100 miles an hour, but it, it usually doesn't have a lot of life on it. It doesn't move, and that's why people can catch up with it. But the splitter kind of gives him a something different, and, and it's helped him out. I know it was a big difference last year. So when he loses that splitter, I mean, how, how can he pitch successfully if he can't throw the splitter? Well, he hasn't been. And so, you know, we asked Brian McCann that question. He said, McCann kind of shrugged and said, well, I guess I'll have to pitch inside more. And, yeah, I, I guess – you could say that about pretty much every pitcher in the big leagues. Uh, it doesn't hurt to pitch inside more. But uh, if you look at Evaldi's numbers with the Marlins, that's the kind of pitcher he was without the splitter. Uh, and, you know, so, yeah, he strikes out a few, and a lot of runs and a lot of balls in play and a lot of hits. Uh, he led the National League in hits his last year there. Uh, the splitter really changed all that. It, it gave hitters something else to think about, keep them off balance. And, and without that, if he doesn't have confidence throwing that and burying that splitter, getting it down, um, the hitters can just sit on that fastball again. In the last few starts, that's what you've been seeing. So it's kind of like uh, there's a leaky ship here uh, as far as the Yankees pitching staff goes. You know, they, they tried for so long to, to fix Michael Pineda and get him back on track. They finally did it, and now you have another uh, leak to plug here with Nathan Avaldi. But 
Uh, Larry Rothschild already on the case, and uh, it took him a while to fix Pineda. So uh, the Yankees are running out of time here. They, they can't afford to send out pitchers and who are giving them too many clunkers. Um, I, I know that we talked about how the starting pitching would be weak this year. It really hasn't been the problem, but uh, they they got to give these starting pitchers runs to work with and, and some room to work with, and they got to start winning some games. Brian, the crazy rumor mill uh, is always running in baseball, uh, but the but the talk that I've heard, this Cubs trade talk, and the fact that the Cubs are uh, rumored to be interested in both Aroldis Chapman and Andrew Miller, both, not one or the other, it just seems like insane to me. First of all, the Yankees aren't going to throw in the towel um, at this point in the season, which is what that would be doing. Obviously. I mean, on paper, you could give the Cubs the World Series at that point because the really the only weakness that team has is is the bullpen getting to uh, getting to Rendon. But uh, what you know, what have you heard of this, and and where did this come from? I, I'm not shocked that the Cubs have shown interest. I think that any team with a playoff contention would be looking at the Yankees now. They're seeing them under 500, and look at what the strongest part of that team is, especially with Chapman who's a free agent after the year. I think it behooves the Yankees to move him if you don't think you're going to win a World Series. And at this point, it's really hard to look at the Yankees and say that they will. Uh, I don't think it's selling time yet, as you said. I think that uh, you're, you look at the calendar here and you know, okay, you've got until August 1st. Teams are still going to be interested in these guys if the situation hasn't changed by then. But, yeah, they've got some commodities here to move if they do decide that it's just not going to be the Yankees' year. Uh, Chapman, Miller's got two years left, and I think he's the – the best reliever in that bullpen. You could think about moving to Kansas, I suppose. Uh, Carlos Beltran, to me, would be a prime candidate. He could help a playoff contender. Uh, and and I, I think you could think about Brett Gardner as well. But uh, just throwing out a bunch of names there, I, I think that the Yankees will be fielding calls from contenders because you look at a team like the Nationals, who lost Jonathan Papelbon, and you, you think, hmm, you, you plug Andrew Miller in there, you plug a Rosas Chapman in there, and you know, problems taken care of. Uh, I think it's a, a quick fix for a lot of teams. And last week, the the Yankees got a look at Michael Fulmer, who went to the Tigers in that Cespedes trade, uh, and and this guy is shutting down again. Uh, so I think that you you look at what the payoff can be if you sell off your parts in midseason. You realize that as the Tigers did last year, that they just weren't going anywhere, and it wasn't going to happen. Uh, now they've got a piece that can serve them well for years to come. Maybe that's what a guy like Chapman or a guy like Beltron turns into. Last thing I wanted to touch on with you, Brian, is um, you know it's it's an annual thing at Yankee Stadium, and it's always a a special day, Old Timers Day for the Yankees, and it always delivers. Uh, and this year, you have a few just special moments. One, David Cohn buzzes Matsui, and then Matsui takes him deep into the upper deck in right field. I mean, you can't write a script better. I'm sure something. We owed Cone a little bit of credit for throwing that one down the middle. Uh, but that was a special moment. And then Brian Doyle getting to bat at the end of the game, battling Parkinson's. He lies, lines a single to right field. I mean, you can't write scripts better than every year, it seems like, at Yankee Stadium for Old Timers Day. No, it's pretty awesome. And, and especially the Brian Doyle thing. That, that's really cool to see him get that moment. Um, yeah, Old Timers Day is always one of the most fun days of the year. And then people ask me, what you really enjoy covering, and it's old-timers day. I, I love seeing all those Hall of Famers on the field. There's guys that now I, I must be getting old because there's guys that, guys that I covered as players who are in old-timers day. So um, I, I think it gives you an opportunity to see some of these familiar faces, share some stories with people, uh, 
catch up, renew acquaintances. It's all good. And they had a gorgeous day for it. Uh, really fun to be on the field. And Hideki Matsui, I cannot believe that this guy is retired. Uh, if you can go second deck, even if it is a batting practice home run, I think you should still be thinking about it. But uh, Godzilla says he's 42. He's, he doesn't miss the, the grind of playing every day. He still actually plays in a New York City pickup league. Um, he has his own team. He pitches. He bats right-handed in the league. But, yeah, he's playing sandlot ball. So this is a guy who clearly loves the game and has loved being around it. But and I think you'll continue to see him in old-timers day. But I think that the, uh, the days of trying to play in 162 are over for him. I'm glad he bats right-handed in that league. That wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't want to pitch against him. <laughs> yeah. All right, great stuff as always. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Yankees edition. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.